questions about why we do certain things as followers of Jesus Christ. We've been asking them specifically about us as a congregation. We've been asking all kinds of why questions. We've answered those whys from the Bible. Like, why we, why we believe, right? We, we, we've asked that. Why we believe, or why we praise, or why we give, or why we serve, or why we wait, why we go, and, and, and a number of other things, questions we've asked and answered from the Word of God. Why do we do certain things? Some of the most, I've said this before, I'm going to say it today for the last time in this series, and that is one of the most important questions, kinds of questions, that we can ask are why questions. Why questions are more important than how? Questions. Answering the why questions are more important than the how. They're more important than the when. They're more important than the where questions. And oftentimes even more important than the who questions. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why do we do as followers of Jesus Christ? Why do we do what we do? This morning, there's one more why question that I want to pose to you, but this one is slightly different. It is, why me? Why me? It's one thing to ask a question, a why question about a large group of people, why we? Why we as a body of believers or why we as followers of Jesus Christ? It's easy to ask in some sense, you know, I'm part of the crowd, why do we do this? I don't know if I agree with it or not, but, but I want to I bring it down away from the, the larger group, and I want to make it really personal to you, to me. Why me? Why me? Let's make it personal. What is your part in God's great plan? How does God want to use not just we as a congregation or we as the body of Christ in South Dakota or our nation or around the world? What's your part? This morning, if you do nothing else, I don't want you to think of all of the other people. I want you to bring it right down to where you live. God, why me? Why me? Have you ever asked, you ever asked that question of God? God, why me? Why, why do you want to use me? Why do you desire to? Why are you asking this to me? Why are you, sometimes we say, why are you doing this to me? See, this is often where God's plan meets resistance. When it comes to personal. Because we can, we can very easily say, oh yeah, the body of Christ is moving forward. Glory to God. We as a body of believers, or we as a congregation, or we as a collective group of believers worldwide, we are doing great things. And, 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 and yes, he died for us. He died for me. And he, he's coming again for his church, and he's coming again for me. And, 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 and he's empowered us by his Holy Spirit if we so desire him to use us in that way. And, and yet, he desires to use me. And often the breakdown, the resistance, 
isn't so much in a body of believers, but it's in the individual. God calls people, but what if he calls me? God directs people to go some places and to do certain things, but what if he calls me? It's one thing to say, well, we as a church believe this, but it's another thing to say, I as a follower of Jesus Christ believe this, and that means it's me. Sometimes we say, well, not me. Sometimes we say, well, Lord, I, I believe this for the greater body of believers, and I know that you want to use this in these, what could be the last days, and, and, and I know that you're pouring out your spirit upon all flesh, and, and, I, and I know that you're, you're accomplishing great things, but Lord, I don't know about, I don't know about me. The Bible, in Judges chapter 6, there was an angel who appeared to a young man named Gideon. Last week we had a representative of the Gideon's <coughs> ministry. Some of you are members of the Gideon's ministry. Um, it's named after this guy. <coughs> so this angel of the Lord says, appears to this man named Gideon. He, uh, he, he was just one person in the, in the Jewish people. And at this point in their history, the Jewish people were being constantly harassed by their, their enemy at the time. There have always been enemies of the, of the Jewish people, even to this day. But, but there was a particular group that was harassing them at this time. So the, this angel, directed by God, came and he called Gideon. He appeared to him as he was, the Bible says, he was in a wine press. He was kind of hiding from the enemy. He was, he was beating out some, some, uh, some grain in a wine press so that others wouldn't see him. He was trying to protect it. And, and this angel came to him, and he called him a mighty warrior. The angel went on to say that he was favored by God, and that he would lead God's people into victory. To which Gideon replied this, Judges chapter 6, verse 15, The Lord has said, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Here's what, here's what Gideon essentially said. Why me? I mean, I'm the, I'm the youngest in the family. My family's the, the least in the tribe, and our tribe is the least in the kingdom. Why me? You want me to be the warrior? You, you're saying that I'm the one blessed with God? Why me? Now, if you were in that position, if I were in that position, I'd probably ask the same thing. Why me? Luke chapter 1. An angel appeared to a young woman named Mary. Now you're probably familiar with her story. The angel said that Mary was going to give birth to the promised Messiah. The angel said that she was favored among women, or that means set apart by God. And Mary replied this way, Luke chapter 1, verse 34, How will this be since I am a virgin? I mean, she's looking at this and she hears the angel. She believes what he says. I mean, this is an angelic appearance. That will get your attention. But she's thinking more in a natural sense and, and, and did not really understand the Messiah was going to, in fact, be the Son of God. She was thinking deliverer, but, but the angel says, you're going to have a child. Even gives his name, you're going to call him Jesus. She says, how can this be? I'm a virgin. 
And here's this woman who was very young and in a bit of an obscure place. And, and, and I can understand if in some ways she was asking, why me? She had to ask that question in some way, at least in her mind or in her heart. Why me? There are a lot of people that could do this. Why me? Given such a large task, given such a large task, it's understandable that she would ask that because you and I, we would ask a similar thing under similar circumstances. In Acts chapter 9, again, a whole different person at a whole different time, in Acts chapter 9, Jesus appeared to a Christian named Ananias. He told him to go to someone named Saul who had persecuted Christians and who had been struck blind. Ananias had heard about Saul and all the bad things that he had done. And Ananias said this, Lord, I have heard many reports about this man and all of the harm that he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. Ananias essentially asked not so much why me, but why him? Why him? Jesus then told Saul, or told him that Saul, or Paul as he would later be known, was an instrument chosen by God. But I can understand Ananias' concern when he would say something like, why did you ask me to do this assignment? He's a Christian, so I can see this going on in his mind. Why are you asking me, and why should I go to him? You see, sometimes the question isn't so much, why me, but why that other person? Don't raise your hands to this, but if you ever wonder, God, why are you using them? Oftentimes it's why you want to use me. There's a lot of people in this Bible, there's a lot of people from cover to cover who were, who were, um, who, who God called them in some way. God gave them a directive of some kind but who thought themselves as unlikely candidates for God's purposes. Let me say that again. There are a lot of people in this book, in fact, every person that you've ever seen or read about in this book that was tremendously used of God, at some point during that calling, leading up to it or even after it, at some point they thought themselves as very unlikely candidates. I'm sure in some way, shape, or form, in some language, in some place, they said, God, why me? Because each one of them was aware of their own limitations. Each one of them were aware of sometimes the limitations of other people. Gideon, Gideon knew that he was an unremarkable member of an unremarkable tribe and family. Mary knew that she was called, what, what she had been called to do was physically impossible. So she looks at it in the natural and she goes, how can this be? I've never been with a man in that way. How can that even be possible? Both Ananias and Paul knew that Paul had a dumpster-sized load of spiritual baggage. In fact, later on, Paul would say, in, in reflecting back to his calling and his conversion, he would say, I was, or I actually said I am. Under the blood of Jesus Christ, he said, I am the, I am the chief of sinners. He says, I've blown it, my words, he says, I've blown it more than anyone. I've done things that other people have not done. I am one of the worst sinners, and yet God saved me. Jesus saved me, and he called me. These people were acutely aware, 
all of these people were acutely aware of their limitations. Again, every person was tremendously used with God in this book were acutely aware of their limitations. And while all of them were aware, at some point, at some point, without exception, at some point, they submitted those limitations to the one who makes all things possible. At some point, they came and they said, God, I can't do it. I acknowledge I am incapable of doing this. God, why are you choosing me? Look at all of my limitations. And yet they came to the point where they said, God, I give it to you. You desire to use me, they'll be used with you. There were others, there were others, I'm sure, who, who came to that point and said, no, the limitations are too great, the baggage is too much, the, the opportunities are too few, I will not be used with you. And by the way, those names are not recorded, or their exploits that could have happened are not recorded in the scripture. But those who work. Those who were greatly used of God, who submitted themselves to the Lord with all of their limitations, they did that so that later, when they were greatly used of God, they knew, they absolutely knew that what that which had been done had been done by God and God alone. See, that's the really important part here. Because when we look at our limitations, and by the way, every one of us have them, if you don't think you have limitations, then ask your best friends or your family members, and they will give you a list of limitations that you have. But everyone knows that we have limitations. And yet when we submit them to the Lord, and we say, Lord, in spite of my limitations, in spite of my baggage, in spite of the things that were done by me but are under the blood of Jesus Christ, if you still desire to use me, then I submit myself to you. Then when God uses that person, and in many cases uses them in such a dramatic way, those same persons, because of that brokenness, are very quick to give glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. They say, I can't do it. I know that what has been done has been done by the power of God, because I have to tell you that it's not in me. Some of you feel very, very broken by something that has happened, maybe recently or maybe in years past. Some of you have <coughs> you felt very reduced by some things that happened in the past. Some of you feel like because that thing happened to me, then I don't know if God can ever use me. But, but let me tell you, in some cases, because that happened to you, God is going to use you even more. And the thing which once was a broken place because of his healing now becomes a ministry place. And that's a, that's, a, that's, that's a hard, I know that's a hard price to pay, but that's how God does it in this, in this throughout this book and really throughout the history of his kingdom. Years after his conversion, I mentioned Paul earlier, he was the guy that Ananias went to pray for him with a struck line at the point of his conversion. And then he comes to Christ and Ananias goes and prays for him. He's healed. Years later, the church in Corinth is planted 
And Paul writes back to that church in Corinth. First Corinthians, uh, excuse me, Second Corinthians chapter 4, he wrote this. God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. What, what is Paul saying here? Paul is saying, we are <coughs> clay pots. He's acknowledging that he's a flawed person. One translation calls it earthen vessels. Dirt vessels. We're clay pots. But we're not just clay pots who are empty. We are clay pots who contain, as it says here, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have that treasure. We have his presence in these clay pots. Would you say this line with the clay pots? Clay pots. Say it with me again. Clay pots. That's what you are. Say this. I'm a clay pot. I'm a clay pot. <laughs> some of you are cracked, and some of you have clay pots. It's true. Now, some, some of you, some, you know, some, some clay pots, I don't know about you, we have, we have some pottery in our, in our house that, uh, it's like, that came from, from, um, um, uh, that came from like uh, family members from generations back and we couldn't sell them on eBay, so we still have them. <laughs> and they're really nice, but you know what? The bottom line, they're still clay pots. They're, they're made of dirt. You and I are clay pots. We're made of dirt. Bible says to dirt we shall return, right? But what's remarkable is that we are clay pots who contain the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are clay pots that for a time during our lives, actually for not for the rest of eternity, but particularly in this time when we're still living in these clay pots, we get to exhibit the presence of God. What an honor! We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. See, I really want to get to the point, or I want to be at the point, I don't know if I'm there yet, I don't want you to be, we want to be at this place, I want to be at this place where I recognize, we recognize that all we are is clay pots, but, but he shines through me. In spite of my scuff marks and frailties, in spite of my limitations, I still get to be used of him. Why me? Why me, Lord? I'm just a clay pot. Why me, Lord? I'm nothing real pretty. Why me, Lord? I'm nothing extraordinary. Why me, Lord? I'm not nearly as pretty or as seemingly useful as other pots. Or why me? I'm not a very big pot. Why me, Lord? I'm just a small pot. But I'm a clay pot who's willing to be used for you. So, Lord, use me. Why me? You see, this verse explains our why. It explains your why. Remember, I said that some of the most important questions are the why questions. 
And when you understand your why, your what has far greater meaning. Let me say it again. Some of you may not have got it. When you understand your why, your what has far greater meaning. If you understand that, that my why is to, to, in the time that I have, give glory to the, the one who created me, to be used of him, if I understand that is my why, then what I do is of lesser importance. I just want to give glory to him. When you understand your why, you begin to fulfill your reasons for you understand your why, you begin to fulfill your reason for being. When you understand your why, you will start making an eternal difference in the world around you. A few weeks ago, um, I saw something that demonstrates this, and I want you to see it this morning. It's about uh, just a little bit more than three minutes. The man who is speaking is, uh, is a Christian comedian uh, called... Michael Jr., some of you may have seen this stuff. I've seen some of it. It's all very, very good. I, I want you to watch and I want you to listen. Let's go ahead and run that out. A lot of times when people hear the phrase, how do I know, the next thing they say is what? How do I know what? But the key really isn't to know what. The key is to know why. Because when you know your why, you have options on what your what to be. For instance, my why is to inspire people to walk in purpose. My what is stand-up comedy. My what is writing books. My what could be going out with some friends to eat. In fact, another what that is moving towards my why is a, a web series that we have out now called Break Time. So every Wednesday at 3 o'clock, you should subscribe to, to the channel. Uh, we do a series called Break Time on YouTube. So 3 o'clock, we drop a new episode. One episode in particular I'm about to show you a clip to. We were in... Uh, we're in Winston-Salem. So break time, this is how it works. I travel the country, I do stand-up comedy, probably an hour, hour and a half at an event. And in the middle of my show, I'll just sit down and start talking to the audience. And funny just happens. Or I'll meet somebody who's really interesting. So I met this one guy, and he said that he teaches music at a school. I was like, all right, you teach music, you know, um, can you sing? And then uh, I'm just going to show you a clip. Check it. So you're a musical director? Yes, sir. Alright, so um, let me get a couple let me get a couple bars of like uh, amazing grace. Can you do the first part of that? Go Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch like thee. Wow. That's what I'm gonna say. You know what I'm saying?
people say things like this. I've heard, in fact, I've heard this many times. I was born at the wrong time. You ever hear that? Or, you know, I just relate better to a hundred years ago. Boy, that would be the time in which to live. You ever think that way? Well, if you think that way, stop it. Well, I mean, stop it. You need to take captive that horrible, horrible thought. You need to reject that thought and you need to cast it down. Because thinking that way is incredibly wasteful. The fact is, you were not born in another era and you didn't live in that time. And wishing it won't make it so. God planned that you live right now. Right now. So just stop thinking that way. I'm showing. Ain't gonna make it happen. God placed you here, and God placed you now. Even with all of the challenges, even with all of the perils, even with all of the cultural upheavals that are present in our time, God wanted you here, and God wanted you now. In a in. In, in, the book of, in the book of Esther, we, we looked at this just a few months ago, there was a man named Mordecai who told his niece, his niece happened to be, not just happened to be, divinely ordained, his, 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 his niece was the queen of the nation. And he told his niece that she had been placed, put into that place of influence, quote, for such a time as this. That's a great line. He told his niece, you're the queen, and you're queen for such a time as this. Now let me tell you something. You are not living here and now because of some cosmic mistake. It was not random chance that allowed you to see the year 2016. Rather, you are here and you are now with divine intentionality. Let me say that again. You are here, and you are now because of divine intentionality. God has a purpose for you right here and right now. For purpose. He trusted you and me to communicate Him in this time. With all of the changes that are happening, with all of, as I mentioned a moment ago, the cultural upheavals have been more changes in our society in the last 10 or 12 or 15 years than I think in the 50 years preceding that. And when faced with those changes, when faced with those, those social upheavals, we can do one of two things. We can either roll over into a spiritual fetal position and just wait for Jesus to return, or we can stand up and say, glory to God, he created me, and he put me here, and he put me now for a purpose for such a time as this. You're faced with this opportunity. God, why me? Why not? So what are you going to do? I've said this before. You and I, none of us know how much more time we have. We don't know how many more opportunities will be placed before us. But I know this. 
Glory to God. I may get clay pot, but I'm still walking around. He still has a purpose for me. I may be a clay pot, but I'm still breathing. I can still fog a mirror. Glory to God. There's a purpose for me. Purpose may be for you to intercede, because that's all you can physically do. You may be in a... Somebody listening, they may be in a, in a home and just barely get out of there. They seem to drag by, but they can still pray. You, you, you may be looking at your situation, you're going, why am I in that job? I, can't, I don't like this job. You are there for such a time as this. Why is that person in my life? Why did our, our paths cross? Because you are there with divine purpose. Why the delay? Why is it taking so long? Why is it so difficult? I don't understand this, but I know this. I am his, he is mine, I'm here, and I have a purpose because of the glory of God. I'm a clay pot. His presence dwells within me. Again, may we not, in these times or at any time, May we not roll over into a spiritual field position and just wait for the end, but rather may we stand up and say, Oh Lord, I know why you called me. Sometimes I still wonder why, but I believe it by faith that you've called me. Why me, Lord? Because you desire to use me in the time that I have. And I will be used with you. You know your why. Your what has more impact because you're walking in or towards your purpose. You want to be a follower of Jesus Christ who understands his purpose. I want you to be a follower of Jesus Christ who knows your purpose in here and now. We're about to close this service. We've come to perhaps that most important part of the service, and that is where you, in a place of prayer, stand before the throne of God, and you make yourself available. This is my prayer, and I'm going to pray with you in just a moment. That if you do not know your purpose, if you do not know why me, if in some way you've wondered, why now? If you don't know your purpose in life, and by the way, your purpose isn't just, isn't, it's important, but it's not just to provide enough money to make it to another week. Your purpose is greater than that. If you do not yet know your God-given reason for being. I'm going to pray with you that in the moments, hours, and only days ahead, because I don't want you going weeks or months or years. Some people go years without knowing their purpose. But I'm going to pray this, that in the moments or the hours or the days ahead, you will be in that place with the Lord, maybe a place of prayer, 
your devotion to morning or evening, wherever it happens to be, maybe driving down the road. But God is going to meet you there. He's going to speak into your life. He's going to save you. And I'll tell you what, when, when you discover, trust me in this, because it's happened to me, when you discover your purpose, when you get a hold of your why, your song becomes so much greater. Your job becomes something more than just a paycheck. Your relationships, your friendships, the people you interact with, they become more than just faces and names. They become opportunities. When you understand your why, when you understand your purpose, your God-given purpose, the things that happen to you aren't just random chance, but they're, they too are purpose. I want to pray with you that God will show you and you will hear your why. If you're able to this morning, would you stand with me, please? Close your eyes. If you're, if you're standing next to a husband or, or a wife, I want you to particularly reach over and take their hand. If you're engaged to be married, I want you to do the same. Because you either are or soon will be a wonderful, powerful unit. So I want you to be praying together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the biblical example of people who essentially said, why me? But they are there for us. Now, Lord, in 2016, long after those persons have died and gone to heaven, now we stand here the opportunities before us, with the world around us, with time, we don't know how long, but time before us, I ask, Lord Jesus, that you will reveal your purpose for every person here. The greater purpose. The greater purpose, not just eking out a living, but the greater purpose, their reason for being. Lord, then, when you reveal to these persons their why, I pray that they will sing like they've never sang before. That they will speak like they've never spoken before. That they will work that job or that business like they've never worked it before. They will see the people around them like they've never seen them before. Why? Because they know their why. So this is my prayer. May we be people who live with the knowledge, the awareness of divine purpose. This I pray. Moments, hours, very long as the days ahead. And then Jesus made me sing 
like never before. For those, Lord, who have never given their lives to you, I pray that even in this moment, they will say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my heart. Save me. I surrender my life to you. Forgive my sins. I want to begin walking this journey with you. Lord, if they simply, if they pray that, pray that simple prayer, begin the greatest adventure of a lifetime. And more than any other way, they will begin to discover your purpose for their lives. Why me, Lord? Well, I guess I'll never really understand fully this side of heaven. But I know that you desire to fill me with your glory, this clay pot. Your blessing on us as we go, Lord. Your people with a purpose in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you this morning. These altars are open. Go in the power and the purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ.